Section 6 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, January 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betty B. Colonial Systems of the World by O. P. Austin, Chief of the Bureau of Statistics, U.S. Treasury Department. Recent discussion in this and other countries renders timely any convenient summary of the colonies, colonial policies, and results of colonization throughout the world. As a first attempt to meet current needs, the following facts and figures have been compiled from the best available sources. The Colonies, Protectorates, and Dependencies of the World, number 125. They occupy two-fifths of the land surface of the globe, and their population is one-third of the entire people of the earth. Of the 500 million people thus governed, over three-fourths live between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, or within what is known as the Torrid Zone, and all of the governing countries lie in the North Temperate Zone. Throughout the globe encircling area known as the Torrid Zone, no important republic or independent form of government exists save upon the continent of America. The total imports of the colonies and protectorates average more than $1,500,000,000 worth of goods annually, and of this vast sum, more than 40% is purchased from the mother countries. Of their exports, which considerably exceed their imports, 40% goes to the mother countries. Large sums are annually expended in the construction of roads, canals, railways, telegraphs, postal service, schools, etc. But in most cases, the present annual expenditures are derived from local revenues or are represented by local obligations. The revenues of the British colonies in 1897 were 151 million pounds and their expenditures 149 million pounds while the public debt in the more important and active of these communities aggregates a large sum it is represented by canals railways public highways harbors irrigation and other public improvements intended to stimulate commerce and production the railroads in operation in the british colonies alone aggregating 55,000 miles. The most acceptable and therefore most successful of the colonial systems are those in which the largest liberty of self-government is given to the people. The British colonial system, which has by far outgrown that of any other nation, gives, wherever practicable, a large degree of self-government to the colonies. The governors are in all cases appointed by the crown, but the law-making and enforcing power being left to legislative bodies which are elected by the people where practicable in minor cases a portion being elected and a portion appointed and in still others the appointments divided between the british government and local municipal or trade organizations the veto power being in all cases however retained by the home government the enforcement of the laws is entrusted to courts and subordinate organizations whose members are in many cases residents or natives of the communities under their jurisdiction 
in the french colonies less attention is given to law-making and administration by local legislative bodies the more important of the colonies being given members in the legislative bodies of the home government in the netherlands colonies and in the less advanced communities under british control the laws and regulations are administered in conjunction with native functionaries of the 125 colonies protectorates dependencies and spheres of influence which make up the total list two-fifths belong to great britain their area being one-half of the grand total and their population considerably more than one-half of the grand total france is next in order in number area and population of colonies etc though the area controlled by france is but about one-third that belonging to great britain and the population of her colonies less than one-sixth of those of great britain commerce between the successful colonies and their mother countries is in nearly all cases placed upon practically the same basis as that with other countries goods from the home countries receiving in the vast majority of cases no advantages over those from other countries in import duties or other exactions of this character affecting commerce in the more prosperous and progressive colonies the percentage of importations from the mother countries grows somewhat less as the business and prosperity increase the chief british colonies in north america canada and newfoundland which in eighteen seventy one took fifty percent of their importations from the home country took in eighteen ninety six less than thirty percent from the united kingdom those of south africa cape colony and natal which in eighteen seventy one took eighty three percent from the home country took but seventy one percent in eighteen ninety six those of australia and the adjacent islands which in eighteen seventy six took forty eight percent from the home country in eighteen ninety six took but forty percent the french colonies now take from the home country about forty two percent of their total imports while the british colonies obtain about forty three percent of their total imports from the home country regarding the effect of a well-administered colonial system upon the commerce of the mother country the following facts seem to be just now interesting and suggestive the non-british world buys fifteen percent of its total foreign merchandise from the united kingdom the british colonial world buys forty three percent of its foreign merchandise from the united kingdom the total imports of the british colonies amount to two hundred fifteen million pounds sterling annually great britain by supplying forty three percent of this instead of fifteen percent which she averages in the commerce of other countries makes an additional market for sixty million pounds sterling annually of her products her total exports to foreign countries omitting the colonies are two hundred six million pounds sterling or fifteen percent of their total imports and if to this were added a like percentage of the imports of the colonies her total sales would be two hundred thirty eight million pounds sterling instead of the grand total of two hundred ninety six million pounds sterling which she enjoyed in eighteen ninety six the year to which these figures relate it is thus apparent that her sales are enlarged through her colonial system in the sum of about sixty million pounds sterling 
in round figures or three hundred million dollars per annum thus increasing by twenty five per cent her total exports and creating by her colonial system a market for three hundred million dollars worth of her products and manufactures not only has great britain added to her market by bringing the three hundred fifty million people of her colonies into the colonial relationship but there has evidently been through the material development which has followed this relationship a great increase in the purchasing power the construction of highways harbors railways and telegraphs has evidently quickened the general business conditions and with the increased activity and prosperity enlarged to the consuming power the railways now in the british colonies alone are more than fifty five thousand miles in length the telegraph lines nearly one hundred fifty thousand miles and the highways far in excess of that a large proportion of the railway lines is under the control and in many cases operated by the government and it is an interesting fact that the lines operated by the government expend a smaller proportion of their total receipts in running expenses than those operated by private corporations in nearly all the colonies there are savings banks in conjunction with the post offices and the deposits in the savings banks of the colonies amount to more than three hundred million dollars in the import trade of great britain the colonies also prove advantageous from the british standpoint over one-fifth of the more than two billion dollars which great britain sends outside of her immediate limits in purchase of supplies is spent among the people of her colonies and thus largely contributes to the prosperity of either british colonists or british capital that the industries of the colonies are to a considerable extent controlled by british capital goes without saying and that the expenditure of nearly five hundred million dollars of british money in british colonies each year for the products of those colonies must benefit the capital thus employed and so reflect to the business advantage of the home country whence that capital is drawn is equally apparent the total imports into great britain from the colonies in eighteen ninety six were over ninety three million pounds sterling and in eighteen ninety one were over ninety nine million pounds sterling or in round terms five hundred million dollars forming more than one-fifth of the total imports into the united kingdom considering the commercial side of the recent developments in the relations of the united states with cuba puerto rico hawaii and the philippines three questions arise one will these islands in the new relations furnish an increased market for our surplus products two will any of them prove a door through which a still larger market may be found for our surplus products three will they supply any considerable share of the products for which we have been accustomed to expend money in foreign countries and thus permit its expenditure among our own people or in support of industries represented by the capital of our own people the imports into cuba puerto rico hawaii and the philippines under normal conditions have reached nearly or quite one hundred million dollars annually and with the developments consequent upon new methods and the inflow of american capital seeking investment would naturally materially increase this however is but a small sum 
compared with the markets offered by the countries commercially adjacent to the philippine islands and to which the port and city of manila might prove an entrepot for the distribution of american products the population of the countries commercially adjacent to the port of manila is more than eight hundred millions of people and their annual imports more than one billion two hundred million dollars of this vast sum a large proportion is composed of articles and classes of articles produced or manufactured in the united states especially cotton and cotton goods manufactures of iron and steel machinery mineral oils provisions breadstuffs and other articles of this class for which our people are seeking a market up to this time imports into those countries from the united states formed less than six percent of the total importations despite the fact that the articles desired by the people are largely of the class which our own people desire to sell with a nicaraguan canal through which the manufacturers and producers of the united states could ship their products by water without breaking bulk from the door of the farm or factory to a distributing center at manila which lies as near to many of the great commercial centers of these countries as habana does to the city of new york there seems no good reason why the people of the united states desiring to extend their commerce should not obtain a much larger share of the business of that great consuming territory thus accessible from that point than they now have regarding the third point as to our present expenditure for the class of articles which may be produced in those islands the importation of articles of this class into the united states including sugar coffee tobacco hemp tropical fruits etc has averaged during the past few years nearly or quite two hundred fifty million dollars annually and if this sum now sent each year to foreign countries can be expended among people having closer relations with the united states and among whom citizens of the united states will be represented either in person or by the capital which they will furnish for business enterprises the result will be advantageous to the business interests of the country and her people if the united states should by the proposed new relationship with these islands open them as a market to our producers and make them a doorway to a much larger market and at the same time enable us to expend among our own people the large sum which we have been accustomed to send to other countries and to other peoples the suggestion seems at least worthy of serious consideration end of section six